Welcome and thank you for joining us on The Breakthrough Factor, a podcast where your host, Jess Boss, interviews entrepreneurs, athletes, and financial professionals to find out what it takes to break through barriers to health, wealth, and taking ownership of your life. If you're feeling stuck in your career or seeking advice on how to overcome obstacles all the way to building your fitness and finances, this is a show for you. Ramona has an incredible skill set for working through obstacles. On one side of the coin, this has been born through many moments of struggle beginning in childhood. On the other side of the coin, Ramona chose to own her experience and became determined to continue to devolve into the person who has the space and freedom to bring her skills and passions to this world. Hey friends, it's me, Jess Bost, back with another episode of The Breakthrough Factor. And today's guest is Ramona Mayer. She is a CFP out of Phoenix, Arizona. She's a part of the Family Wealth Management Group that my friend, first and foremost, before I met Ramona, my friend Laura LaTourette founded in uh, Dahlonega, Georgia. I just know that Ramona and I will be friends uh, far beyond and even separately from my friendship with Laura because she is such a a kindred spirit, I feel like, in this industry and someone who is truly here to be a part of that rising tide. So um, one of the things that I am excited for her to tell you about is her story. I will going to give just a quick preview. She uh, was born in Romania, which has, I won't share the story today, but it has a, Romania has a special place in my heart. So that was also one of those things that when that came up, I just, um, I knew, like I said, I just knew we were meant to know each other, but Ramona has been in the financial services for more than 10 years. Uh, She has, like I said, her CFP, she is passionate about serving the community. She's volu- she's a volunteer with several different organizations that all demonstrate uh, her, her passion for humans and human rights. Uh, she is authentic and genuine in her approach to wealth management and in the people that she chooses to work with uh, her. She has she's an advocate for financial literacy. She just, she is studied. She's learned. She has her um, bachelor's in business and her master's in leadership. She's holds the seven, the 63, she's 65. She's, she is one of the most skilled, learned and compassionate, caring people that I've met so far in the industry. And I'm just so excited for her to be here with us today. Thank you, Ramona, for joining us. Wow, I'm blushing. Uh, I don't know if you could see, but thank you so much for that wonderful introduction and for having me here. It's it's important to me, not not just in general, but especially for you, for us to hear a little bit about Ramona before you came to finance, because like I mentioned, there's just pieces of that story that color so much of your um, passion and, and, and the, the way that you're moving and working in the financial services industry that it's colored so much by your previous experiences. So take us back as far as you want to go, uh, to just who, who you, um, who you are, who you grew up as, and how that may have shaped and directed you into financial services. Yeah. Um, well, 
You know, I think it really goes back to my childhood. Uh, uh, growing up, um, I actually didn't have the most ideal family dynamic and for a period of time was a foster kid. I um, grew up separate from my siblings mm-hmm. and parents and and had some some tough moments. And I felt like a lot of my growing up was me in survival Mm -hmm. mode. And I really think that that helped build who I am today and allowed me the strength to be able to continue to show up and and push myself beyond my limits and boundaries. uh, And, you know, really just be curious. Uh, So fast forward, you know, I was 18 years old. And I didn't know what I was going to do with myself for college. I uh, was in the recruiter's office with a friend that was joining the Navy and they asked me to take the test. And while I was just sitting there and I did, and I scored pretty well. And I said, you know what, why don't I go join the Navy and see what that's about and travel the world. And, and I did. Um, And, you know, that kind of opened the door to a whole nother realm of, possibilities for me. I never even knew, you know, uh, what an aircraft carrier was capable of, but here I am 18 years old being stationed to one. Uh, and shortly thereafter, you know, nine 11 happened and then I'm on two deployments back to back. So, you know, after nine 11 picture 19 year old Ramona standing watch on, on, uh, next to a 50 caliber gun, ready to shoot down any planes that were flying overhead. Uh, and, you know, the mentality that I had at that point was, well, I, this is what I signed up to do and I'm ready to, to represent my country and to protect our nation. And, you know, um, I felt very powerful and courageous yeah. and, and capable yeah. at that time. So, so I think, you know, um, the military really taught me a lot about discipline. And um, I knew that I would like to start a family and and that that was not a career path for me. And so I got out of the military and joined a financial, uh, a military financial institution and started in banking and home lending. And then eventually, you know, um, somebody actually, uh, my boss would have executives sit with me because my role at the time was taking escalated calls. So I was, oh, I love you know, when yes. they say, when they say, I want to talk to a manager, um, they would transfer them to our department. And I had to give people bad news that they were declined for a home loan and that, you know, for whatever reason, they were not able to close on their mortgage. And so I had to have really difficult conversations. And, and it was during that time that the uh, investments executive sat with me and he said, you know, I think that you'd be really good doing investments. And I said, no, 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 this is not for me. I'll stick with home lending. That's good enough. And uh, fast forward a year later, he came to my boss and he asked them again, you know, if, if I'd consider uh, becoming licensed and going into that department. And again, I said no. And my boss was like, Ramona, he came up here to ask for you specifically now twice. And she said, I think you should consider it. Um, I was going through some stuff at that time personally, and I didn't think that I would be able to study and pass my 763 and yada. Mm. 
Um, but I, I said, you know what? Why not? What's the worst that can happen? I can fail. And then I know it's not for me. So I did it. I went through the licensing agent program and, and started just kind of being a trader and, and placing trades for clients and having very minimal investment discussions. I wasn't considered a financial advisor. I was an investment advisor at that time. But I realized that I could have more in-depth conversation with clients. And I was very passionate about helping educate people because so many people didn't know what the options were available to them. And I witnessed my parents making a lot of financial mistakes growing up Mm -hmm. and not really even knowing what was necessary to plan for retirement. And so I felt, you know, that I saw myself in those clients that I didn't know any different. And so I wanted to help educate. And so I wanted to grow up in the investment world per se. And I decided to um, get my CFP and I left and went to another major firm where I was having much more in-depth conversations about financial planning. We were looking at everything, the whole gamut. But I was still uh, in a cookie cutter situation where I really couldn't do what I wanted to do. I was bound by the corporate's model of, you know, this is what we sell and this is how we do business and these are the clients that we help. And so that didn't sit very well with me either um, because I am pretty stubborn. I, um, You're passionate. And if You're I passionate. see, I'm, I'm that's yeah. true. I'm passionate. Um, so I'm stubbornly passionate, mm-hmm. I would say. <laughs> but uh, so if someone tells me, no, I, I figure out a way to go about it and how can I do that? And that's when I started thinking about going on my mm-hmm. own. But as a single mother with only one income, I couldn't just go 100% commission. And how was I going to go about this? And so, um, you know, that's where Laura and I met. And I, you know, started connecting with her. So that relationship started about a, a little bit over a year and a half ago. I reached out to her on LinkedIn and I said, are you looking at expanding your team? I wanted to find someone that kind of represented me, a strong, powerful, LGBTQ plus woman, um, someone who's making it in the industry. And so I wasn't necessarily looking to work under her. I wanted to find a mentor that I could work alongside. Uh, But as our conversations continued, we found that we both could help each other and you know, here we are, fast forward, and and I'm her bu- one of her business partners and part of her succession plan, but also creating my own brand. And who is Ramona? Because Ramona is not Laura. That's right. Um, but she's allowing me a platform to be able to figure out who do I want to support, what do I want to do, how do I want to help people, and also allowing me to incorporate these attributes of service and community in with my role, because that's something that I was kind of neglecting. I wasn't able to do as much, but now with the freedom that I have being independent, my schedule allows me to 
be able to teach financial literacy classes, to be able to volunteer with hospice uh, and homeless veterans. And so um, giving back and establishing a community where I'm able to do that locally uh, is important to me. I, um, one of the things you, you said that I wrote down was you were looking for someone like me who's making it in the industry. And I just want to give that a moment (laughs) and some space to land with people that it is, we talk, I throw around this word representation um, and, and why representation is so important and, and what you said is the absolute total example of why it's important because the one of the first things that we do when we feel passionate about something we feel like we might have the skills or might could obtain the skills for something the next thing you do after that is you go looking for someone like yourself who has been successful in it and that is what representation is all about because someone like you is absolutely a perfect fit. And not just that, but an inspiration and someone who is going to change the game of financial planning, change the landscape, change the opportunities here, make space for more people to be a part of this. Someone like you is not just going to be good at it. You're going to be critical to the future of it. And for you to look up and be able to find someone and see someone like you who's doing it and has had success doing it is everything from a confidence standpoint to get launched. Absolutely. I think that uh, that was critical for me is, you know, I working for corporate, I saw that I looked very different than my mm-hmm. peers, than my leadership. Uh, even though you know diversity and inclusion was very much talked about, it was I still did not feel like I had a seat at the mm-hmm. table. I the formalities were there. I was asked to be part of advisory council. I was asked to mentor. I was asked to you know teach classes uh, for our new uh, employees. But when it came to changing and and influencing and and being able to you know make progress on some tough items those uh, suggestions went by the wayside and at the same time then I found out I was getting paid way less than my male counterparts Uh, so I really felt very used I felt like here's, you know, here's Ramona, my shiny diversity and inclusion checkbox of all these things that, you know, I represented, but I, my voice was still not heard. And then even more importantly, I realized that I don't necessarily want to work with everybody. I want to be very intentional with who I work with and where I spend my time and energy. There's a lot of 
people that need support that don't know what's out there, that don't have access to resources, that might not, you know, have the AUM to, you know, manage their assets that might need a little bit of support. But there's not a lot of services out there for people that are trying to build wealth for just the basic fundamentals. How and so I felt like I needed to figure out a way where I can provide support to minorities, to people who don't have access to single mothers um, and, and do it in a way where it works for me. It's, you know, I'm able to, you know, stay in business, but also I'm able to help. And I think for me, the, the big picture is I want to be part of the change in the money story for Mm -hmm. families. I want to help bridge the gap in wealth and allow, you know, underserved communities to build and preserve wealth who, um, who haven't had the opportunities because they don't have enough money. Um, their, you know, minimum investment is not there. Um, you know, so I don't have any minimum requirements. I take each situation as on a case by case. I want to vet the clients as much as they vet me, because for me, this is a lifelong partnership. Because you have this vision of what you want to do in the world and who you want to work with, which is not at all unlike a doctor saying, you know, or I want to be an internal specialist, or I want to be a heart specialist, or I want to be a um, bone specialist, or I want to be a, a pediatric specialist. The reason that they do that is because each part of the body or each growth stage of a human requires knowing many different things. And to know everything about all of it would mean not knowing enough about a specific situation to be able to jump in and help in that specific situation. And so when it comes to finance, you know, we, we've, we want to make space for that and we align with the different situations being very, um, very much aligned with who a person is because we are working very intimately with what their goals and dreams are, which is very intimately connected to who they are in this world. So it's not, it, it's, it shouldn't be foreign as we move forward in finance to start seeing financial planners say, I am a financial planner that works with this type of person. So you, you said something um, that along those lines to me is, is, is important and integral to this, to this conversation, which is you don't want to work for someone. You want to work with someone. When you, are just kind of chipping away and working. I think the motivator is yeah, money. Such a good and point. so when you shift the motivator from money and being successful to being passionate about 
the areas that you want to influence and the changes that you want to make, even on a micro level, when you shift that mentality to focus on your passion, I think that that's the differentiator of, um, of you know, someone who's going to want to make a difference or someone who's just wanting to get a paycheck. And and no, not nothing wrong with wanting money, nothing wrong wanting to have more. But um, I think to change the industry and the way that we see and we do business, we have to shift our perspective. I was actually interviewed by Fidelity. I don't know if I mentioned this, but I was interviewed by Fidelity about my process for um, going from fee of going from commission to fee based, and I said in that article that if you're going to do the right thing, you're going to get paid for it. The money's going to come, but if you know, um, so not to worry about the money, but that's scary. Yeah. But we can do scary and hard things. I'm doing it right now. <laughs> I don't know what my future is going to look like with money and, but I'm just, I'm, what I'm looking at is my track record in success. Mm-hmm. I've made it through a hundred percent of my worst days. I've made it. Yes. And if I can look at my track record of continuously growing and improving, and I've failed, I failed many times and I've, you know, learned from those experiences, but I've continued to be successful. So that's where I'm leaning on my capabilities and my track record. So there's always that voice that's on there. You're not going to do it. You're going to, you know, fail. Everybody's going to laugh at you. There's always that voice, but then there's the voice of my owning my worth and owning my success and, and knowing that track record and my persistence and my resilience and my strength. And so that's kind of what fuels me in, in following my passion and knowing that the money's going to come. So I've had to shift my mentality a couple of times as I've grown to knowing that I'm going to, I'm going to pay my bills. I'm going to make it. I'm on one family income, just me. It'll, it'll be figured out. Don't worry. And so that, that letting go of the, the fear narrative and letting go of that and trusting myself is what is so important. I have to do this every single day when I'm terrified is just go back. Remember, you've done it. Let's take a look here. And I sometimes I just sit in my office and I just look around and I look at the diplomas and the degrees and all the things and all the things. things, (laughs) And it helps, (laughs) and it helps me reinforce. Remember, Ramona, you got this. And, and so it's, it's, it really is a challenge and it's a daily struggle uh, and some days, you know, it's better than others, but, um, you know, it, it's never going to be, I'm not, I don't know if I'll ever get to the point where I feel like a hundred percent confident in what I'm going to do because I continue to surprise myself with the ideas that I have and how I want to do it. And is that going to work? And yada, yada, yada. I keep pushing myself, but I, um, you know, it's, it's an inner struggle, but it's not impossible. Yeah. And so, so again, the, the ones that are differentiating and, and changing the way that changing the business for financial planners are the ones that are following their passion, the ones that are listening to themselves mm-hmm. and knowing that the money's going to come. That's not a problem. But the ones um, 
who are focusing on, I just want to, you know, make that sell, they're staying in the status quo of financial planning. And we're not changing the persona of your standard financial planner who doesn't who doesn't have a niche, who doesn't have a strategy, a passion uh, market where they want to impact. Um, they are the status quo. So um, I think that, you know, to sum it up, yeah, the differentiator is, is passion. passion. And I know we had talked about um, a big part of your story and you touched on it just now was learning to trust your instinct and to listen to that nudge along the way. And so for, for someone who is so passionate, right. Um, especially when you bring that passion to, um, a marketplace where you're very different from other people, even if other people are passionate, like you're still, your passions, your interests are different. It is very difficult sometimes to trust your passion to t- and to lean into that as you make decisions. And we had mentioned we had talked about this when we talked, you know, prior. Um, just getting ready for the podcast was that that was a big part of getting to this place and getting to a place where you feel like you're doing your thing was just leaning more and more and more into your instinct, right? Absolutely. And that is also a a daily struggle. But I think that, you know, COVID's been really interesting. It's allowed me to reflect and really be still. I mean, there's so much noise going on, not just in the market, but in the world right now. And And I had to really get still with myself and practice, you know, just follow like what, what, what's going on being curious. Why am I feeling this way? Um, I, I meditate, I'm part of a book club and I love to learn about how, you know, who, who is Ramona and what am I doing and why do, why do I think this way? And so I really had to get still and observe my reactions and my feelings and what was going on. And by doing that continuously over time, it really reinforced that trust Mm -hmm. that I had and reinforced that, you know, um, my self-trust. So I, I really, you know, it's funny, like six years ago, I had this idea, I'm going to write this book and because I have all of these things figured out. And then two years later, I was like, I don't have anything figured out. (laughs) I'm going back and then I and then I was like, well, maybe I have a few things figured out. But it's it's been this process for me of where I felt like, okay, finally I got it figured out. And then I was like, nope, you still got ways yeah. to go, and that's going to be a lifelong process for me. But um, I think the most important thing, the most valuable thing that I would say, has been within the last two years. Really, I've had the opportunity to be still and to just tune out the noise. And just kind of sit, taking my dog on walks has has been a great Mm. therapy for me (laughs) and been a great outlet for me to be able to do that. But, you know, all joking aside, you know, um, 
that I think by being curious and listening, you're starting to develop that self-trust in in yourself and your capabilities. And that's the most important thing in, in, you know, when you're, when you're exploring a new territory is, you know, um, do you have that relationship with yourself? Do you, you know, are you listening to those inner, what, where did, you know, that, that discomfort in my stomach, what is that? What, what am I, where did that come from? Just really, um, understanding we're complex beings and, and we're impacted by so many things, social family dynamics, you know, um, there's so many things that make us who we are, but really just sitting back and trying to listen to that voice and, um, yeah, allows you to build that trust. And I, I, um, one of the other things that we had touched on was just the, the process and the path and the journey of understanding your own worth. Um, but even separating it from you as a, a personal journey, cause I'll, I'll like, we'll get back to that in a second. Um, cause I'm curious about your answer to, to this, but when, when, when we give other voices, whether it's other voices that are inside of us that are negative or telling us that that's probably not a good idea, which really have been put there by the fact that we've just been watching and seeing that it doesn't match other people's typical movements since we decide that ours is probably not good because it's not the majority or the typical thing for people to do, but, or we've asked for that feedback from other people and invited that feedback and and leaned into and listened to what they've um, advised or suggested we do along the way. When we allow the, all of those other voices to dictate our path, we diminish that, that trust that we have in our own self and in our own instinct and the the outworking of that is that we learn to trust ourselves less and trust those other things more and so we give less credibility to ourselves to things happening good for us because we're not actually listening to ourselves we're listening to all these other voices and they're the ones that have gotten us the success they're the ones that have helped us uh, accomplish things in life. They're the ones that have helped us through these barriers, through these moments in life that were difficult for us versus us reinforcing that trust in ourself. And, and that plays itself out in self-worth. Uh, I fully believe that we esteem ourselves as less than other people because we have over time learn to trust other people and other voices more than we trust our own instinct. And so, um, that whole culling process and changing process is so, so challenging because you have to identify some of those voices that are saying you're not worthy. Right. And those can come from, those can come from so many places. Um, and, and I know you and I talked about this and, I'm curious, just like, is, was there a moment where you realized that that narrative and that whole kind of 
process of real, like, was there a moment when you realized that or was it just kind of time over time realizing and replacing little things here and there till you got to a place where you look back, you know, retrospect so awesome. Look back. It's like, wow, wow. Um, so what, what was your, what was your experience with that? Yeah. Um, that's a really great question. And I think, uh, that worthiness, that self-worth, uh, is, is so important. You know, I don't know if there was a, any pivotal moment where it was just like, aha, I'm finally worthy. I think it's been, I think it's been a process of mine for some time, not going to lie that, um, you know, I've always been in the back of my mind. I've always felt like I was, um, different than everybody else. I didn't have, you know, the family dynamic. I went to, you know, 12 different high schools growing up. Like I I transferred so many times. I didn't have the group of friends and the clubs and sports and all those things. And so I felt like I really didn't fit in anywhere. And so that kind of was the cloud that kind of carried over me. But in a way, because I guess in my mind, I didn't fit anywhere. I made my own group. I made my own people. I made my own things. I didn't fit in anywhere. And if, you know, I don't fit in this group, well, it's okay. I don't fit in anywhere. So I'm going to go find another group. Um, and so that was always kind of in the back of my mind. I'm not going to, um, but, um, I felt like I was always hiding. Like if people really knew who I was, then they wouldn't want to be my friend or they wouldn't want me to work for them or yada, yada, yada. And so I always, you know, just, I feel like we all have skeletons and we all have things and we're not perfect, but because of this thing, um, I felt like I was, you know, had scarlet letter on me and I was never going to be good enough as my peers. I was, even though I passed all the licensing exams and did all the things and got the CFP and bachelor's, master's, you name it, I still felt in my heart, I was never going to be as good as they are. Why? Because I attached to this narrative that I'm not worthy enough because I not like them. I'm different. And, and so that's been a really, uh, um, a, a process for yeah. me and it's taken a lot of work to get to this point. Yeah. Um, but you know, um, you know, I started really seeing my worthiness when my, I kept, I guess people kept headhunting me <laughs> and people kept asking me to, to work with them. And, and then my boss my last employer was like, I want you to work with the CEO and I want you to do all these things. And I was like, oh, okay. And then, you know, Fidelity interviewing me and I was like, okay, well, maybe I am making it, but I've been making it for a while. That's, and I didn't see it. So again, I think my aha moment was really COVID, not going to lie, being stuck at home and not really being able to go anywhere and I mean, socialize and, you know, everybody's dealing with this at the same time. So it's not, so I, I think that really opened a door for me to spend time in reflection, to really just work on nurturing myself and being curious. And so if anything, it was 
the ability to not go, 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 hustle, hustle, Mm -hmm. hustle, the ability to pause and reflect is really what took things to a whole nother level. And my confidence just skyrocketed. And I felt like, you know what, I've been through all of these things. And I was just kind of looking back and looking back at all the different things that I went through. And I, you know, it, it was odd for me to be my own cheerleader and to say, yes, you're doing it. You did it. But I started doing that. I've, you know, there's a couple people that I follow on, on social media and, and that have really been profound in allowing me to understand that what I was doing was just not, I just kept outsourcing my validation that I wasn't self-validating and, and it was never, you know, um, I was always looking for external validation. I was always looking for somebody else to tell me, yes, you're doing it. And so I had to stop that and I had to start telling it myself and start, and I started very little just, you know, journaling here and there to then I would meditate. And it's not for everybody, but what I, I think the biggest takeaway is I just stopped, started listening more to myself and just being there showing up for me mm-hmm. and validating myself. 